Hello and welcome back to this week's GG Weekend, which we have returned, Daryl Carter, Andrew Mount and myself after a week's absence. We hope you haven't missed us too much. I'm not sure about Andrew though. Technically, Daryl was still here, but Andrew and I were away on holiday. Don't know about you, Andrew, but I feel like I need another holiday just to get over last week. You can probably hear it in my voice. I think I'm Keith Tracy <laughs> for this podcast instead of Kate this week. The depth of tone behind it is probably an example of how I'm feeling. But we come back for some top quality action, though, from Sandown and Haydock this weekend. So at least we're coming back for a seriously, seriously likeable weekend card. Of course, the Coral Eclipse then being the highlight of which. So before I fall asleep here, listening to myself we better crack on with the racing proper and we're going to start with the 150 at sandown this is the coral charge which is a group three sprint for three-year-olds and over over five furlongs where Russell is our current market leader but vying for favoritism with him is Mitt Bahi but we only have the eight runners declared it's a really likable race though Andrew all the same so who wins it for you? Yeah, I don't think my journey back was as bad as yours, Kate, although I did have a screaming baby for three and a half hours. So. Oh, give, give me a three-day turnaround instead of a baby any day, thank you. I think I got <laughs> off lightly. <laughs> well, it is um, a good, good race since the Coral Charge. And mm. um, what, what is interesting about it is um, the record of three-year-olds, uh, and in particular the Phillies. Um, so when I looked at this um, for my Racing and Football Outlook column on Monday, uh, I did come down on the side of Tippy Toes and Nymphadora, and uh, back them both uh, with a big lean up towards tippy toes and pleased to see that both have stood their ground you can still get reasonable prices i think 10 to 1 tippy toes eights nymphadora yeah. i say just back all the three-year-olds to make a profit back all the three-year-old fillies to certainly make a very good profit and um uh, i did back um tippy toes at royal ascot last time in that five furlong handicap fairly new race there at royal ascot the prince of uh, hollywood hollywood house stakes mm. uh, excuse my pronunciation and Tippy Toes did get completely mullered in that race, and uh, although finishing well behind Nymphadora in 14th place, was only beaten four and a bit lengths, and could arguably, arguably be described as unlucky. Nymphadora was second in that race. I thought um, she might be able to reverse the form, and I would certainly be interested in doing the reverse forecast in the pair as well, because you know that's uh, with sort of 10 to 1 and 8 to 1, you, you're going to be getting sort of you know, the reverse forecast, probably paying the equivalent of 40 to 1, you know, one pound reverse might get you 80 odd quid so that would be my recommendation oh nicely done then so yeah and like i said fair pricing about the pair of those two as well but a good way to play our opening racing from sandown for andrew daryl do you have a similar outlook or something slightly different yeah i was almost similar i, I tipped tippy toes for that uh for the race that andrew mentioned and uh i, I thought she would have won with a clear run uh, I think you're being generous to say that she's unlucky. I think she would have won if she would have got, mm. got got a clear run of things. She was almost stopped in her run. Um, she's unexposed at five furlongs, and uh, I think she ought to be going close here. I just with this, with Sandown, it's just very, it can be very tricky. There's a lot of trouble in running. Um, mm. Now I know she can be ridden forward and prominently, and she is drawn well in stall two. But if she's not quick away and getting a prominent position, she could just find herself another another hard luck story. Um, I came down on method. I thought I'd give him another chance. Um, he's not uh, hes not everybody's friend. I, I understand that. But I thought he ran really well at, at Salisbury on the back of a 330-day break when he was beaten by Benefit. 
Uh, that was only six, but he had them all in trouble about furlong out, and then he just tired towards the finish. Um, you could argue that was a career best performance on his RPR figures that he's achieved, uh, and I think he's going to improve for the run. I like to drop back to five furlongs. The last time he ran over five furlongs, he was behind Winter Power at Newmarket mm. on soft ground, but this is going to be the first time that he's had five furlongs and good ground. He's also drawn pretty well um, in stall three. Uh, he likes to be ridden forward. I think he, he, he'll have no trouble in running. Um, which I've seen a lot of this bloody month. Um, so I'm hoping it'll be pretty straightforward. There's not too much pace pressure other than equilateral. Um, he's drawn a little bit wider than him, but I'm just worried about equilateral's finishing effort, especially second time after a break. Uh, so Method, I thought I'd give him a chance. Well, Tom Marquand was interested in booking for them as well. Yes, the method there, I say, is a, is a really interesting contender who is one definitely to defy opinion then anyway. But uh, no, definitely another one there with a fair price in our opener. But do just bear in mind there with the draw, of course, over the five furlong trip at Sandown, where, as Daryl's made the point there, it can very often catch a fair few of them out if they do get away a bit slowly. So we shall move on then to the 205. Moving on to Haydock now, our second meeting. And this is a handicap for three-year-olds over a mile six. And surprise, surprise, we have a smart Prescott horse at the head of a market who is now unbeaten since going handicapping, since upping in trip as well in the form of Sea King. So Daryl, can this lad bring up a hat-trick here or do you fancy something else? Um, I hope not. Uh, I thought it was a soft. I thought it was a soft race he picked up last time, albeit on the back of a back of a reappearance run. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm looking to take him on. I think there's so many unexposed three-year-olds in there. I think there's value down the down the down the bottom half of the field. Um, Spaycaster is a horse I've been interested in for a long time, but the more and more I've watched of him, the, the less and less I've liked his action. Uh, mm. He's got a very short, sharp stride, and I don't know how. I, I don't know how. I think he might be limited. Uh, I, I came down on the gadget man, uh, Ralph Becker's other horse, who's had three runs this term, or, or three runs in total, uh, two on soft ground last year. He was just improving with every single run, and he was just staying on really strongly, just looking like a horse that you wanted to keep on side when he goes up and trip on handicap debut. But that's exactly what he does today. He goes up to a mile six on handicap debut. The ground's going to have a bit of ease in it, which, which will help him. And uh, I thought he was a bit rusty at Nottingham on return, but I thought there was enough in it to suggest that he was going to take a step forward. Uh, and some of his races have worked out really well. For instance, his debut at Salisbury produced uh, Isra, the London Gold Cup winner, um, and he did the best of those from off the pace that day. And it's always very hard to come from off the pace at Salisbury, um, especially when the uh, when the pace angles have got the rail or, mm. or against that rail. So it can be very beneficial to them. So I thought it was worth an upgrade. Laura Pearson takes off three. I don't think 84 is, is you know, harsh, um, probably a little bit stiff, but uh, I think he's got a lot more improvement to come over this trip. Nice open race, decent price. Yeah, again, there. So, yeah, the lads have definitely come back from their brief break in good form. So, the gadget man, Rafe Beckett, do you call him Ralph? <laughs> I, was about, I was about to say, call him Ralph Beckett to his face and see how you get on. Uh, <laughs> and see you, how well it goes down. Did you watch, <laughs> did you listen, watch the Irish Derby and uh, the commentator called him uh, Ralph yes, Beckett? Yes, yeah. oh, I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was deliberate. Oh. It, like, finally. That all comes good then. He gets his Irish Derby winner and he gets called Ralph over the line. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and they, they go pull on Rob Hornby with a proper rub down, didn't they? Talking about, um, you know, uh, champion jockey Colin Keane, you know, takes the ride. Oh, I know. Yeah. Was, it Jerry, was it Jerry commentating? He was just getting in every single jab he possibly could yeah. at the time, yeah. They and made the right decision. They made the right decision doing that though, didn't they? 
You know how it sits with me. You know how it sits with me. We're jocking off, so I'm not one to comment on this. Yeah, but like when you when I suppose when you're jocking off though to go over to a different, you know, to go over to Ireland where you need the Irish race different, don't they? It's like, you know steady and then sprint and to that, to that, I mean, you can't turn down Colin King, can you? Not in Ireland. You can't turn him down. But when a jockey knows a horse and has done all their work and has done everything with that horse, for me, it doesn't sit well. But uh, that gave him a poor ride in the Derby, though, Keith. He gave him a poor ride in the derby. He gave him a poor ride in the derby, though, didn't he, Keith? <laughs> oh, what? Oh, what? Um, what? Rob Hornby on my side yeah. in the derby itself? Oh, oh, harsh, harsh, <laughs> but potentially. Um, <laughs> so it's the gadget man then for Daryl in this handicap, Andrew. Uh, away from jockings off for for once. At, at written a new story at the minute. Who do you fancy in this race? Uh, I'm going for Aknamara. Um, for the Charlie and Mark Johnson yard. This, this is a, a race they've got a good record in. Um, they won it in 2018 and 2019. They had the runner-up in 2017, 2018, 2019 and 2020. So, um, you know, got plenty of um, uh, previous in the race. Now, Aknamara only beat a few home at Royal Ascot last time in the King George's Fifth Handicap, but he was um, drawn high, got trapped wide. That uh, the early round course races, it, you know, it was I mean, most of the round course races at Royal Ascot. It wasn't like it was a few years ago when everything was winning down the middle of the track from off the base and high draws were favoured. Um, recently, it's been uh, you know around the inside all the way, favouring low draws. You know, look at the Ascot stakes on day one; that was a particularly good example of that. So you can draw a line through that. You go back to the time before when uh, he was runner up over the St Ledger course and distance. Uh, he was the only one of the first six home who didn't come from off the pace. So I thought that was a run to mark up uh, when he finished second that day. Uh, draw a line through that last run. He's 20 to 1. I think that's too big given the trainer's pedigree in the race. Oh, nice. Okay, so yeah, so 20 to 1 then uh, about Aknamara. So both of the lads continuing this theme now for their big price horses and taking on then seeking at the head of a market where I thought it might be difficult to take him on. So fair play to a pair of you for finding those angles into the 205 at Haydock. We shall move on to the 225 back at Sandown again here. This is the Coral Challenge handicap for three-year-olds and over, over a mile. And it's Sinjari who currently heads the betting. So, Andrew, your idea of this handicap, please. Yeah, this, this is really true. Uh, the, the first thing you think, you, you look at Sinjari's last run, you think of the Royal Hunt Cup. He's won the race down the stand side. Well, that marks him down as one to upgrade and back next time. Then you think, hang on a minute, this is Sinjari. And he seems much better given a big field and a strong pace. Uh, he's won just one of his last 15 starts. That was in a field of 22 at York in July 2020, his first run since being gelded. And then you look at that, the number of times he's finished second in smallish fields of steadiest pace. Now, in terms of the pace here, we've, although we've got 11 runners, there's not a great deal of pace, probably flying high. Who was runner up from the front in the first time cheek pieces at Newbury last time for Andrew Balding? And he's 16 to 1. He could go well. Must star well, possibly for Heather Main, 25 to 1. So, I mean, the first time blinkered Tahitian Prince was interesting as well with Richard Hannon. Now, it, he, he tends to be ridden patiently, and he's, um, the, the blinkered angle is a, is a good one in terms of stats for Richard Hannon in handicaps. So, Tahitian Prince has got, has got chances here. I wasn't against darkness either. So really, I kept looking at this and thinking, well, I probably want to be against the front end of the market. Sinjari, mm. because of the size of the field and his poor recent, recent wins-to-runs ratio. Lion Tower is a horse I like. Grant Chu is flying at the moment. But is he better over seven furlongs? I think um, three of his last four wins have come at that trip. 
stiff mile at Sandown might just find him out at the closing stages. Check and challenge, bit of guesswork involved. Two from two on the all-weather, then finished down the field uh, in the in the 2000 guineas. Um, the stable's a bit quiet as well, uh, William Knight at the moment. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I was sort of thinking, well, all those single-figure prices I can pick holes in, I'd probably just fire a few arrows off at uh, bigger price ones. I'll go with flying high in the hope that it's one of those sandown meetings where it pays to be on the front end and not one where the uh, the inside's badly cut up from the day before and everything went around the outer. Cool. So flying high then, 16 to 1, I can see for that, lad. So again, another big price one. All the same, like say, in the hope that the pace then holds up and, and he doesn't get too much pace pressure from, let's say, first time blinker to he, uh, Tahitian Prince, even and such like. So that's Andrew's take on the 225. Daryl, your own, please. Um, yeah, I, I adore Sinjari. I, I love him as a horse. I think he's brilliant. Um, they've sort of pigeon since he's gone to Harry Rogers Garden, they've sort of pigeonholed him as, a, as this minor. Um, I'm not entirely convinced he is a minor. I think he wants 10. Uh, I, I was hoping to keep him sight. Keep him on staff when he goes to York. In fact, I was hoping he'd run in the John Smith Cup next week, but obviously not to be. So maybe the Ebor meeting. But I can see a stiff mile suiting him. But he just—I was at Newbury when he made his return. And he just lacked—he just lacks a gear in the middle of the race, and it was the same issue at Ascot. Um, yeah. And then he flies home. He takes a minute to pick up. Now at this track, it is a little bit undulating in the, in the home straight, and I just think he's going to have too many horses in front of him. One of them, who I think should take all the beating is, is unexposed that he just might not catch and that is a check and challenge uh yeah. for, for william knight um this was obviously raced twice on the all weather one both times quite impressively the second one at newcastle obviously worked out tremendously well but if you watch that 2000 guineas one right he was a massive eye catcher huge eye catcher from off the pace uh trying to get going had the door slammed in his face um switched and went to get going again and then was sort of dragged to the left um, mm. And just sort of had no chance to really get quicker than them, get going, and get going. But he was one of the one of the last horses off the bridle in that. Now, obviously, a mark of 108 is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we're Trushan territory here. We're trying to win a handicap off this, but he's a three-year-old that's getting the allowance, which is he's effectively running off 99. Now, I know the three-year-old allowance is there because of you know you know the the build and the and whatnot. It's there for a reason, mm. but it's effectively a mark of 99. He's completely unexposed. William Buick's been booked. And I think he's going to be ridden fairly prominently. And I just think once he quickens, he's going to be very hard to catch. So he's the one I came down on. I almost I almost had a, a punt on, on Uzo as well, because I think he likes it here at Sandown. And I think they made a mistake. by They took him out of the race at Sandown the other week on good to firm ground and said the ground was the issue. Then run him on good to firm ground at Ascot um, behind him in the park at the Buckingham Palace State. I thought that was a big mistake because I really, really fancied him for the race at Sandown. Um, so I'm hoping that he's just sort of they've sort of missed the boat a little bit of him. Um, and chicken chicken challenges that is the horse up fact. I think he'd go well. Yeah, chicken challenge. Like I say, it's fascinating them with the three year old allowances. He's yeah, getting. but it is that time of year though, isn't it? We talk about three year olds in terms of the handicaps and also obviously in the group races as well, where it's just that time where we start to see everything falling in their favour, and he is. Yeah, very, very interesting then on this return after that run in the Guineas. So check and challenge. Do keep an eye on him. Do you have a price for him there? I've just good. I think six to one. I think they're looking about six to one. Yeah, yeah, which is absolutely fine. They're behind Sinjari. So taking on your favourite in Sinjari yeah. with check and challenge all the same. So we head back to Haydock now to the 240. This is the Lancashire Oaks. 
Up next, this is a race. It's a group two, four fillies and mares, age three yards and over, run over a mile, three and a half furlongs. And it's the Gosden trained, Rab Havlin ridden, free wind, who currently heads the vesting as a 15 to eight favourite at the time of recording. But Daryl, who is your fancy for the race, please? Well, I was going through, I was going through this and I, and I sort of came down on stay alert for, for Huey Morrison, but I, I decided to swerve away because I felt, felt like I was overcomplicating it a little bit. Yeah. I do like this Stella. I think she's she's got a lot more improvement to come. But I think Ashada is the one to be on. And I think she's a really mm. fair price at around 10 to 3. Um, now, I thought her return run at Newbury was really promising. I thought Jim Crowley looked after her. It was up against the boys, beaten by Ilarab, his favourite course. She finished with running left, one knocked about the finish. Obviously, that was a prep run. Now, the slight concern is, was that a prep run for... Uh, the coronation or the hardwick or something at Ascot and she's missed it and mm. you know that's a slight concern because it's been 49 days but coming here she is definitely the form horse in the race from with her, with her champions Philly run uh, in October at the champions meeting last year at Ascot now you can knock that form a little bit and say it's well snow before underperformed uh, before I hung a little bit in behind but she's still beating the rest by comfortably by 10 lengths you know an invoice yeah. for instance who's in here is rated at 100 so she's still running out to a mark in the, in the mid one teens for me I think she's entitled to improve for that newbie run they said last year that they were hoping to keep her around for another season because they think she's going to get better with age uh, and this is now her chance to prove it and she won't mind a bit of cutting the ground which is unknown about free wind at the top of the market um, mm -hmm. so I think that might just be her undoing now we know John Gosden can obviously get her filly ready first time out like, like he did with Inspiral but I just think the ground, a bit of cutting the ground, is a little bit of an unknown for free wind. She's a very smart horse, but definitely the form horse for me is a Sharda. So uh, I thought she would be favourite, and I was hoping to take her on. But ten to three, I think I've got a backer at that price. Yeah, and like I say, with ground conditions then in in her favour, potentially then and potentially not in free winds as well as it is. Yeah, all in all, Cesar Rossa either. She hasn't. She hasn't. Cesar mm -hmm. Rossa hasn't encountered soft ground either. I don't think so. Yeah. So let's say if the, if the weather stays as it is or the ground stays as, as it is at the time of recording with soft goods, soft in places, then surely in Ashada's favourite, 72 sort price, uh, taking on free win for Daryl. Andrew, do you have a similar mindset or something different? <coughs> 100 to 30. Um, sorry? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is... Um, I, I was really gutted to see um, the first-time Hood go on invite for the Andrew Balding Yard. This oh. is a horse that I think has got more wins in her uh, particularly with ground at, uh, with plenty of cut in it, as we're going to get at Haydock on Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, but Andrew Bourne's got a terrible record with uh, a first-time hood. I, I tend to lay them all. So, uh, mm, yeah, a bit, bit, of, bit, of, bit of a quandary about invite, really. Um, now, there's a good stat with this race, Lancashire Oaks. Just back any horse who ran in a Group 1 or Group 2 last time out, aged four or older. And um, it, if you go back to 2008, um, uh, six winners from 12 runners. Um, uh, that stat was represented on nine occasions, six winners, including a 20 to one shot. You'd have made over 33 quid back in them blind. That will bring in the favourite free wind, although you've got the, the lack of a run and um, the, the ground, it's question marks. The one I'm going to come down the side of is Cela Rosa from William Haggis. Mm. Now, I was really impressed when she won here last time out because it was that 28th of May meeting at Haydock when the Sorry, when the uh, the in the inside was uh, where, where you wanted to be, and although she was on the, on the on the best part of the track, she did race keenly throughout, and uh, 
I thought it was one that you could upgrade. And uh, Maureen Haggis said afterwards that they'd go for this race and that it was her first run of the season. She was keen and fresh all the way round. And consider it was a mile and a half and she pulled for pretty much the entirety of the race, even though she was on the on the quicker strip. I thought it was a run still worthy of an upgrade. So uh, I'll, I'll go see La Rosa. But yeah, I'm just wondering what to do with invite. I might have to sort of um, break my don't back Andrew Balding in first time could um, roll and oh. have a couple of quid, particularly she's 14 to 1. Yeah, so at least she's got the price behind her then to try and risk it. But like you say, I mean, Alcon Cree was the notable one, wasn't it, on her reappearance style. She got the hood that you want to take her on then for, for the Andrew Boulding first-time hood angle. But invite them potentially for a bit of each way. But the main bet, 6-1 to one, then, Sila Rosa, which is going to be very interesting to see if she can back up that win from last time out for Andrew. Back to Sandown now. The Coral Distaff comes up at 3 o'clock. This is a listed contest four three-year-olds over a mile, where the unbeaten Heredia heads, heads, heads them betting <laughs> on the back of her winning the Sandringham Stakes at Royal Ascot. So, Andrew, does she win this, or do you like something else? Yeah, this was the, the race I was kind of uh, least sort of confident about in, in sort of trying to find the winner. And I came back on the side of the favourite, uh, Heredia. Uh, uh, you know, she's, she's four from four now. Uh, she's Royal Ascot winner last time out. That was on good to firm, but she has got winning form on good to soft. And uh, I'll, I'll um, I mean, look at what, what are we calling it now? Sandown, it's good, isn't it? I think there's a little bit of rain around. It's probably going to be ideal for her. And uh, well, you know, I thought she might make it five from five, but it wasn't a race I'm intending to have a bet in. No, fair enough then. But if you had to nail your colours to the mass and Heredia, the five to, to extend that unbeaten record then for her. Daryl, do you agree or do you have another angle? No, no, no other angle. No real strong opinion on the race. Not going to have a bet. I thought Heredia was the most likely winner. I think that um, Sandringham form is going to be really, really strong. Uh, I was hoping mm -hmm. Sandback was going to line up in here. He was uh, supposed to run up, I, I guess, but didn't, didn't get declared. So, uh, yeah, Heredia should should take all the beating, I think. Wonderful. Yeah, so not really a betting race as such, but if the lads had to decide, then Heredia in the hope that she can justify what's likely to be her favouritism then in the three o'clock, the Coral Distaff at Sandown. Now we move on to the 3.15 back at Haydock now for the old Newton Cup handicap. This is for four-year-olds and over, over a mile, three and a half furlongs. And it's Garcy, who is a strong favourite for this race. And it's an each-way price about the remainder, pretty much. So, Daryl, do you like Garcy here or are you taking him on? No, I've got Naposaurus Rex in here. Absolute <laughs> Naposaurus Rex. 20 to, one, Naposaurus Rex. <laughs> 20 to 1 shot. Or 25 Ooh. to 1 in places. It's good to laugh. Oh. That I really like for this. Yeah. Uh, three three runs this season caught the eye on all three occasions. The Chester Cup was uh, the first run back after a spin over hurdles. Uh, held up at the rear of the field from stall 15 uh, and stayed on really strongly in the closing stages over 2-2. Two, two. Um, then went to the same venue behind Sophie Stevens, just again held up at rear field at, at no pace in the race at all. Um, and it just like got no clear run and it was just a messy race, which I think you could easily put a line through. And then at air last time um, was going down the inside rail, absolutely cantering all over the field. And uh, went quick enough, and then bang, straight away, a horse came straight in front of him, and he had to literally be pulled up um, and had nowhere to go. Sat there, got going again, and was finishing all too late. That was over a mile five. This horse, I know that you could say the drop in trip is probably a negative. I don't actually think it is, especially if there's a, a little bit of cut in the ground. Uh, if you go all the way back to um, 
when this horse was with Clive Cox. They was trying to make the running with him all the time. It's just never mm. really suited. He actually ran here at Haydock off a mark at 90 and was just touched off by Luganini, who was an absolute beast on soft ground, went on to run second in the um, Roly, old, old Roly Cup at Newmarket, uh, was given that horse £7, uh, and obviously Luganini went on to be rated 100 um, Had some good form of defeat over shorter, but was a horse that always just wanted that extra 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 bit of distance but they kept making the run over the horse it just didn't suit um if you go back to his last run before he went over hurdles uh he absolutely bolted up a chest a bit in burrow uh, uh off a mark at 90 uh harry davis is on today claiming five off his back off 92 uh i think he's a well handicapped horse who's worthy of a rating of 100 so i'm hoping he's got about 10 pound in hand there um Whoa. and i think and I think he's going to take a world of beating at, at 20 to 1. I, re I really do. I don't expect that 21 to last whatsoever. Um, yeah. Now, as, as confident as I am, I do have a, <laughs> a very yeah, small yeah. cover bet, okay? Because, you know, I like to have these very small cover bets. You're allowed. The, you're allowed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that just goes on Liverpool Knight, who is, uh, who is fast improving. One at Windsor last time. Uh, stays stays further than this mile, mile and a half. Um, but he's improving with every single run. Again, another horse last season from his, from his old yard. They were trying to make the running with him. It just didn't suit him. Second start for Philip uh, uh, Defoy. Um, I think there's a lot more improvement to come from him. He's up six pounds for that win at Windsor, but he did it quite decisively. So I think he'll go close. He's around nine to one shot, but it's good to laugh. I expect him to go off around nine to one. Uh, don't take less than 10 to one, but I think he's got a cracking chance. Like I say, 20's then at the minute, so expecting that to plummet, though. So yeah. trying to get in there now. Whoever's watched this video early, well done. If the price <laughs> is still there, then about it's good to laugh. With the ever so slight caveat that Daryl just can't quite leave Liverpool night alone, but he's still fair price in himself. And when you're putting up a 20 to 1 Naposaurus Rex, as we're guessing then, for <laughs> it's good to laugh. That is absolutely fair. So Daryl is weighing in with the big punch. <laughs> the that was big punch has, has his own dance move to go with it, Andrew. Dance moves for you, please, and and, and selection as well, whichever comes first. Oh, two minutes, Kate. I'm just collapsing the price on. It's good to laugh. Poor viewers, poor viewers who spend the time to watch us now, and Andrew's destroying it for them. Yeah, they'll, they'll both be very disappointed, won't they, our viewers? But uh, um, yeah. Um, I, I looked at the Mark Johnson runners because he's got a good record in this race. Yeah, um, but Enfranchise needs quicker ground or poly track, I think, and she tends to do a winning in fields of nine or fewer runners. Love is golden, will like the ground, but has never won in a field of more than seven runners. Has got the cheap pieces on and Mark Johnson horses in first time headgear. We've got a terrible record overall. Uh, so I was looking elsewhere. I mean, Brentford hopes going to have his ground, but my goodness, it's, it's, been, it's been all hype, hasn't it, since that debut win? I mean, Brentford hype, yeah. If you separate his runs just by proper soft or heavy ground and anything else, you know, he's not bad. But you know, uh, if it was generally soft, he, even sort of soft, good to soft in places, probably too quick for him. But he doesn't appear. Why have they stuck this jockey on this seven-pound claim run? Yeah, I don't know that, anything about him. Do you know yeah. what? It bugs the hell out of me, right, when you've got a horse that you think, right, next time out is going to win. And then they go and put a very inexperienced claimer on the horse, especially mm. when the horse's got ideal conditions. Surely you must sit there and think, well, the yard can't really fancy the horse's chances that much, surely, can they? No, generally, that you, no, <laughs> generally, that's it. Unless there's something I'm completely missing about uh, 
Dion LaRue, who is who has got the best name I've seen in a long time. Yeah, he, he must have had a terrible time at school being called Danny all his life. But, uh, there you go. That, that's one for the older generation. I say, I'm yeah, laughing, Dan but I don't get it. <laughs> Google, Danny, Google Danny LaRue, you'll get it. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah um, Gassy, uh, Garcy. I, I wasn't totally taken by the form of that last um win at york i mean the, the horse in 10th dark jedi run, uh, won a couple of runs later everything else that runs since has run like a hairy old watson so uh yeah i'm not i don't want to back a horse like that six to four uh the ones i, I mean get shirty I, I could give him a chance to to make it four from his last five he's uh Took a couple of runs to acclimatise, I think, after leaving France. It's really flying at the moment for David O'Mara. But the ones I was looking, I was looking at um, were um, where they got, oh, oh, Vindolanda, this reserve. 17-runner maximum field. He's number 18. He's 33 to 1. If he gets in, he's going to have a great chance. Uh, he loves this time of year. He's had seven runs in July or August, three wins, including 20 to 1 and 22 to 1, and four in-the-frame efforts. And uh, bizarrely, given his sort of love of high summer you know, uh, this time of year, uh, he does particularly well when they're digging the ground as well. So uh, he, the rain's come in time, but he's just got to get in the race. So Vindolander would be my main pick at 33s if he got in. Um, probably not, though, looking at that. And the other two are the uh, Andrew Balding um, runners. I mean, he, he won this last year. And um, he, he's got um, the one with Hayley Turner on who will like the ground, although he's up in class. Um, where's that gone, Beverly? Uh, Secret Shadow. That would have an each way shout. Um, but his, uh, his other one, excuse me, staring at the screen. Something can... enticing. Something enticing. That's yeah. it. Thank oh. you. Uh, thank you. That's Kate. well handicapped, isn't it? Yeah. No, no, she, um, she, she ran in that listed race at Goodwood last time, although she was well beaten in, uh, in second, sixth place behind third realm. You know, she was only rated 95. The winner was rated 108. She would have been getting a lot more weight in the handicap. She had the 119 rated Lone Eagle back in third. Now, I know you can say that one perhaps didn't run its race. But, you know, the fourth was rated 105, the fifth 101. And that was only her second start since leaving David Ellsworth joining this yard. First time out, she was a week in the bay. Obviously needed it. Camp turn. She was coming from off the pace in a race she wanted to be on the front end. She was seventh of ten, only beaten three and a half lengths. So I think she's been brought along gradually for a big uh, handicap pot since joining this yard. And given the yard won this last year, um, then something enticing, 14 to 1, um, would be the main pick in uh, Vindolanda's likely absence. Oh, yeah. OK, so Vindolander, if he doesn't make it as a first reserve, then there's something enticing. But the other Andrew Bolding horse will be Andrew's main play. But it, it is. It's a very interesting race. And I was just looking at uh, Dion LaRue. I can't stop saying his name. It's so cool. Why don't I have a good name? Yeah, he's only had 10 rides, one winner as well. That was for his boss, admittedly. And that was only this month. So very inexperienced. And when you've got a horse like Brentford Hope that basically needs a Spencer on his back as well. He's not entirely straightforward. That makes me a little bit more lukewarm on his chances. Also willing to take on Garcy for me at the head of the market here. So I do have a play in this. Happy that, Andrew, you gave him a, an ever so slight nod as well on that basis with Get Shirty in here. He just looks too big a price for me to resist, basically. He's bidding for a hat-trick, as you said. Fourth win in his last five starts. Then on the back of his success in the Copper Horse Stakes or the Copper Bottom Stakes, as we've now renamed it as well. And that was a really likeable win as well over the Mile Six. Yes, he's dropping back in trip by two and a half furlongs, but we know he's just as effective over this trip as shown when winning his penultimate starts. And he's just such an upwardly mobile horse. 
this race looks ideal for him with that two-week turnaround. I still don't think the six-pound rise will find him out. So it's get shirty for me. I think we've named half the field. I think we've come up with a case for half of these anyway, but at least we're taking on Brentford hype. Watch him go and give him an absolute beast to dot <laughs> up in soft ground now. <laughs> just to prove us all wrong. But- also, we should just mention that Darcy at the top of the market has qualified for the e-ball for that run, for that win back at York last time. Going. Yeah. yeah, so mm. there's loads of value in this, isn't there? Because you take yeah, that side yeah. from the market. Yeah, completely away from Garcia then. But yeah, then there is a whole host of... It's just each way prices about the rest of them. So that's why I sort of want to take on Garcia on that basis. Um, now, we are signing off, actually. Gosh, we're on to our last race already. This is the feature race, though, of the weekend. The Group 1 Coral Eclipse at 3.35 at Sandown. This race is for three rolls and over, over a mile two. And it looked a race for the ages when we first saw the lineup. <laughs> For this race, uh, it's still an absolute belter. Of course, it has lost a few little angles into this race, admittedly, because we don't have Stone Age, we don't have any of the Ballydoyle horses running here. We also don't have Real World lining up, but we still have a cracking lineup. We have the super impressive Preda Jockey Club winner for Daney heading the market from the, the wonderful Irish 2000 Guineas winner Native Trail in second in the market then the hugely talented Baybridge in third uh, on the back of his defeat in the group one Prince of Wales his stakes at Royal Ascot so guys if you don't mind I'm going to kick us off here with the love of my life Native Trail I say love of my life in in conjunction with perfect power joint <laughs> love of my life Native Trail apple of my eye i i don't get why people some people are saying they don't feel he's trained on as a three-year-old that to me seems bizarre um he's been brilliant for me this season he was drawn on the wrong side of the track in the 2000 guineas at newmarket still managed to finish second behind caribus then set the record straight when winning at the curra and for me he's just been crying out for 10 furlongs with that slight flat spot he hits in his races I think he should only improve for this race. So I'll take on Vidani, where, yes, he was super impressive last time out at Shanti, but that was a clear career best. And I just need him to prove it again now uh, that that wasn't that one-off brilliance. And I also think Baybridge was beaten fair and square at Royal Ascot. So native trail for me. Andrew, who do you fancy in the Coral Eclipse? Yeah, this is a cracker. I'm mm. a, a bit gutted that the, the, the two non-runners you mentioned, particularly Real World, yeah. who's um, five from seven on turf with the two defeats coming um, at the hands of Baid when when runner-up to that one. But yeah, I'm with you, Native Trail, absolutely um, no... no like, I, don't, I hate using the expression done nothing wrong, particularly when a horse has been beaten because he's done something wrong if you backed him. Um, but, <laughs> but, I mean, that, that was a huge effort in the Guineas, wasn't it? When he was on, mm. was on the wrong side of the track and we, you know, we, we saw at Royal Ascot the loose sail who was on, um, you know, ran six, I think, in that race, six and 15, you know, almost uh, reversed the form of Caribus, um, you know, on, on a, you know, without that, uh, bias to negate so yeah i mean vadini's got the good ground that he likes you know ignore official descriptions in france it was officially soft last time out but the you know, race time suggesting it was good their soft is our good as, as a general rule and his trainers on record is saying that that's what he needs um mishrif i'm still not 100 convinced that he's the, the same horse in britain and he, he bombed out in one of those funny foreign races where they have about eight million quid for finishing 10th yeah. uh, last time out when, when favorite and the, the winner was drugged up to his eyeballs so um, you know, <laughs> lord north is, um, he's, a, he's a good old boy lord north but he's probably a bit old for this now 
Baybridge, yeah. uh, I thought, you know, had excuses on account of the pace that uh, Royal Ascot and could go well. Alan Kerr, four runs at this 10 furlong trip, you know, three wins and a second to Mishriff at York. And yeah. uh, I, I thought he was a big prize given that, you know, he's a, a, a group one winner at this trip last time out and, uh, you know, still seems to be improving. So, yeah, I, I was, if I was going to have a bet in the race, I'd probably go native trail over Alan Kerr, but it's a cracker to watch. Going me with the seven to two then for Native Trail, but yeah, let's say Alan Kerr is probably a very fair price in himself as he continues to surprise everyone. Daryl, are you joining us though? Because I'm saying that Andrew is now fully Native Trail with me. Are you joining us or elsewhere? You know the issue I've got, right? Oh. <laughs> the the issue I've got is that I said at the beginning of the season that I didn't like the two year old form from last year, didn't I? Mm. And I said like I wasn't overly convinced about. The likes of Caribus and Nave Trow and, and, and that lot. And I've been wrong all year about that, right? <laughs> but <laughs> I, I would just say that I may have been proven right by the way the field finished in the St. James's Palace, right? So mm. if you were going to say that there were two standout horses, if I was going to say there were two standout horses, right, this season, I would say Desert Crown is one of them. And I would say that if Maljoon gets that gap and, and wins that James Palace, it would be Maljoon, right? Yeah. Because they would be the both most improved horses. Those two horses are the ones that have not been involved in that two-year-old season from the year before, right? And I just thought that the St. James's Palace form, where they they all sort of finished on top of each other a little bit. Um, I know the pace and whatnot and this, that and the other, but New Energy was in there. He finished behind Native Trout in, in the 2000 Guineas. He was he was in there beating, only beating a few lengths as well. So I think the form is what the form is. I don't think I don't think he's not trained on and I don't think he's a bad horse, but I don't think he's I don't think he's come up against anything that's really good. Mm. And I think that Verdini could be really good. Uh, and that would that would be the way the market is speaking as well. Um, I, I I like Native Trout a lot. I do feel like he lacks a, a turn of foot a little bit. Um, he's a strong stayer, no doubt. He's going to improve going up to this trip. I would have thought, but I think with a, with a race of this nature, there's not going to be a massive. There's not going to be a really strong pace on. I think Alan Kerr is going to probably try and make the run in. I think Lord North will probably go forward as well to try and. Uh, injects a bit of pace for Mishriff, but I don't think there'll be a, a relentless gallop on it. And if Nate Trow's caught in a pocket and Verdini sat on the outside of him, the, the quicker horse is definitely Verdini, uh, just on his sectional time. So I, I would side with the favourite. I'm not, I think it's a too trappy of a race to really get involved in, but I do think if you're having a bet, I think Verdini is the one that you want to <clears throat> take a chance on. Now, on the flip side, you could probably argue that Verdini was well positioned in the Prix de Jockey Club last time. Um, but the way he quickened away from that field, I was watching the race and I looked back at modern games and it was like modern games and stood still the way he just went wash and just quickened away. You can't get away from how impressive he really was that day. I mean, he's to prove he's got to travel out, outside of France or whatever over to here and do it over here, but the ground won't be an issue. And I think if it turns tactical, I think he's going to have the, the, the smarter turn for and I think he'll be very dangerous. So I think it's the right favourite. I think they're right to supplement him for 50 grand, and I think he'll probably win. 
Oh, okay. Then Daryl taking us on there with Fadini to back up his Breeders Jockey Club win with the supplement. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong and you're right, I'm in New York, so I won't see it. Oh, yeah, you don't care anyway. No, exactly. You won't. You won't. No, Daryl is going to be living the high life. It's his turn to take a holiday. Then, however, we still will be on the blower. We still will be in the WhatsApp. So make sure you have your phone turned on just in case. And if it's the other way around, then well, we'll just ignore you anyway. So Daryl is siding with Fadini then here in the hope that he can justify his 13 to 8 favouritism rather than Andrew and I are flying the Godolphin blue flag then for Native Trail in the Coral Eclipse. But what a race that's going to be. Just cannot wait for that. Even with the non-runners, it's still just going to be fascinating. So, Daryl, back to you, please, for anything else from anywhere else. Oh, um, <laughs> caught by surprise there. <laughs> every week, every week. Yeah, I know. catches I'm... a pair of you by surprise. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> in the 4.25 at Hayda, I'm, I'm need to see prices. I don't know the prices, but Young Fire, if the ground stays, stays on the soft side, he's got everything in his favour. Um, seven furlongs, Haydock, soft ground is just what he wants. He won the race last year. Uh, I think he'll go very well again after finishing second last time out. Uh, Titan Rock is in the same race, so I'm... I'm might, I'll probably back them both. I'll probably tim them both, but it depends what um, prices they are because I can't see either of them out of the frame. And obviously, depending on the price tag uh, and, and the place terms, I'll, I'll we'll see what happens. I can imagine they'd probably both be towards the top of the market, but um, either one of those two, I think, will win the, the, the 425. It's just a matter of trying to pin down the prices. Yeah, and that was that was Young Fire and... Titan Rock. That's the one, yeah, in the 425 then at Haydock. But like I say, we have no show of prices just yet to uh, to see exactly how they're going to price that race up. Andrew, yourself, please, for anything from anywhere else. Um, just Sundown 445, Youthful King from the Luke Dace Yard, who um, was 17-2 to two into 7-4 to four when winning at uh, Windsor last week. Uh, I think the um, we're finally going to get to see what he's uh, all about now he's running over 10 furlongs and... Any, anything uh, by the side fountain of youth that runs on turf after a recent outing is always uh, interesting. And he's still probably going to be underrated in the early market, I think. Yeah, well, it's pretty, let's say we have no betting at the minute, but it's forecast that it'll be around 7-1 to one there for Youthful King. So hopefully get a fair price in about him in the 4.45 at Sandown for Andrew. Naps. Andrew, your naps, please. I know, that is a good question. I'm going to go tippy, tippy. Tippy toes in the um, um, sprint coral charge. Was it 150 yeah. Sunday? Is it the first race there? Uh, yeah. The 150? Yeah. 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 150, then tippy toes for Andrew at Sandown. Daryl, Naposaurus Rex. Naposaurus Rex, it's, it's good to laugh in the 315 at Haydock. There, you have a look because some bookies are paying up six places. You won't be able to see them. You won't need them, but it'll win. <laughs> Won't need him because Andrew if he's out the first five, Daryl's going to run naked for the streets of New York. Please, please, around Central Park. If you see, no if you one see wants it. to see that. Oh, you, <laughs> our viewers do. They really do want to see this. You run Central Park, then if the nap goes in, it's a done deal. So yeah, Andrew and continue to destroy those each way prices then as well for Daryl. And I'm going to go with my nap. Native Trail in the 3.35 at Sandown. So, Daryl, have an amazing holiday, an amazing Thank time. You. Hopefully, that goes in whilst you're away. Andrew and I will continue to recover from our own holidays as we get back to normality. But thank you so much for 
joining us again and coming back to us then after our week break. Hopefully we've given you plenty of winners for the weekend. Thank you to Vlad for all of their hard work. Thank you to our sponsor, of course, SBK for their usual work then with us as well. Thank you to you for watching. I will speak to you again next week. <laughs>